This is Steve Smith at the California Western School of Law, and I call the Law Review to order. This is a kind of man-bites-dog program. It's the opposite of the usual image of lawyers and law students. We're going to talk about a project in which law students work with medical students and others in a free clinic to provide free legal services to those in need. It's a wonderful story of pro bono work and interdisciplinary cooperation. It is the Community Law Clinic and the related student-run free clinic. We welcome our guest to Law Review, Professor and Associate Dean at California Western School of Law, Linda Morton, who developed uh, the clinic and is president of the board. Dana Sosinski, the executive director of the California Western Community Law Project, and a California Western student, Sam Salem. Welcome all to the podcast and to the Law Review. Thank you. Thank you. Dana, what kind of problems do the people who come to the clinic present? What kind of legal problems? We get a little bit of everything. Um, I should say a lot of some things and a little <laughs> bit of everything. Probably our highest legal issues include immigration, which makes a lot of sense given our proximity to the border. We also have a lot of bankruptcy issues and family law issues. Those are probably our top three. And who comes to the clinic? Our clients tend to be low-income, working-class clients. We also have a lot of homeless clients. We are located, our main clinic site, which is located at the First Lutheran Church, is in the heart of downtown San Diego. There are a lot of homeless people living in that area, and the church offers a free meal to this population directly before the clinic. So we do get a lot of homeless clients, but you know that said, we also get a lot of low-income working clients, and more and more, we're getting some lower-middle-class clients. So anyone is welcome. I mean, in, in other clinics, there may be a means testing, an income testing, or that sort of thing, but you provide or try to provide services to anyone who comes in. Is that fair? We do. We have no screening procedures. We don't have income qualifications for clients who may not speak English. We have Spanish interpreters, and we try to work with clients who maybe speak a language other than English um, or Spanish. We don't have any sort of qualifications. We don't have immigration qualifications or anything like that. Linda Morton, you were really the founder of this. It was your idea. You stayed with it. Nothing is easy, uh, but especially uh, a program that has this many elements to it. There was already an existing medical clinic, that the, the free student-run student free, run free <laughs> clinic, <laughs> clinic right. th- that was at the Lutheran Church. What was your concept or idea about adding law to that mix? Actually, initially, it was the idea of Dr. Ellen Beck, who's on the UCSD faculty at the medical school. I had called her to see if there was some issues that our law students could work on, perhaps in an interdisciplinary way with her medical students. And she said, yes, in fact, there were quite a few issues. And what they really needed was a legal clinic down at the First Lutheran Church, where the medical clinic was already established. So we put our heads together, and after a few memos and emails, thanks, in fact, to you, Steve Smith, who was dean at the time, you gave us the go-ahead to launch the project. So we started with that, with the hope that the project would flourish and continue, which it has with your support and the support of our current dean as well. 
Well, and I, my role in the interest of full disclosure was trivial uh, compared with all that, that you have put in it. And, and Ellen Beck, who's one of the visionaries uh, as, as well. Th- this program is wonderful for a number of reasons. It provides legal services. It combines legal services with medical services because patients and clients turn out to be the same Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it also is a wonderful training ground for California Western students. And Sam, you have been uh, one of the students, uh, in my opinion, fortunate enough to work on Mm -hmm. this, but also uh, dedicated enough to work on it. What have you been working on in the clinic? Uh, you, you really do a number of things as a, as a student. You can do anything from uh, interviewing and, and uh, speaking with the clients and counseling them uh, under the supervision of an attorney to uh, working and kind of shadowing a practicing attorney as they advise clients that um, they have arranged appointments with. And that's in different areas of law. That's in all sorts of issues. And that's really been the fundamental experience for a law student. So let me let me pretend I'm a, a client, and I'm, I come in and, and I say, my landlord is trying to kick, kick me out. He told me I have one week to get out or he'd throw all my stuff on the street. So I just said that to you. What, what, first of all, could I say that to you at the clinic? Are you the first person I might talk to? Uh, yes. After we went, we would go through some of the basic clinic paperwork and, and kind of how it runs and talking to the client in, in an introduction, we would be the first person to hear that kind of thing. And so then what would what would you say to me? Uh, I'd probably ask you further about where this happened, when it happened. Um, and you're taking notes. and Yeah, we take notes. We okay. have all of their information. We would dig deeper into that specific situation. And we also have a lot of kind of uh, guideline uh, input papers that we can ask specific questions depending on the issue, like landlord-tenant. And we also have... Um, we can also speak with our supervising attorneys about focusing and narrowing our questioning technique. So let me say, I, I mean, I have the greatest possible, I'm, I'm now the client, I have the great, greatest possible respect uh, for you, but you're a law student. How do I know that you know uh, that you're going to give me the right advice? So I'm the client and I say that. And that, that's a legitimate concern. I, that was something that I was asked a bunch of times by, by clients. Really, you can... By being professional with them and by explaining to them that you are a law student, but that you're going to be working with and being advised from an actual practicing attorney, and and if their if their uh, issue is something that really needs further detail, you can set up an appointment with a specific practicing attorney. That really reassures them that they're gonna that if their issue is um is something that needs further attention by an actual practicing attorney, they will get that uh, attention. But um, by by kind of following the program and being professional with them, a lot of the time they're pretty they're pretty um, happy with 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 what you're able to offer them and the communication you're at least able to give them. So Dana, I know that one of the the obligations of a uh, of the director must be to provide the supervision. What what Sam just said is I'm not out there practicing law on my own, and right. that's a great relief to clients and mm-hmm. to me, uh, as a matter of fact. And one of the things that uh, Linda Morton worked very hard on to make sure that we uh, had the kind of supervision. How, what kind of supervision is there of the law students by licensed attorneys? Well, you know, sort of to follow up on what Sam said, um, we have a couple different types of attorneys that um, practice within the clinic clinical environment. Um, I'm the executive director, and I also act as a supervising attorney. Um, we also have a couple other supervising attorneys, um, another one downtown and another one at our Lemon Grove site. 
role of those supervising attorneys is when the students um, have completed their initial assessment, their initial intake interview of the client, the students come and speak with one of the supervising attorneys. Um, and the student and the attorney together will decide the best course of action. Um, but of course, you know, it's the attorney who's making any sort of legal assessment in that so, area. So the client is getting, mm-hmm. getting good advice from mm-hmm. a licensed attorney, great advice, we hope. But in addition, the students are getting a very good edu- practical education by having, you know, volunteered in the, in the clinic. They're working with an, an attorney who can help walk them through the considerations in responding to what the client needs. Exactly, exactly. You know, you know. often I will look at a client's situation and um, it might be a simple sort of issue um, that I already know the answer to as a, a uh, jack of all trades, master of none, um, generalist attorney. So I will provide that advice to the student and then they will then pass that on to the client. And often together with the student will decide that it's really something a little bit more complicated and they need something more than I'm able to offer. And that's when we call in um, our specialist attorneys. So we have about 20 specialist attorneys at this point who volunteer at the clinic. And they come in on a rotating basis and they come from uh, several, uh, almost a dozen different specialty areas. And so we'll schedule a client for an appointment with one of those specialty attorneys in one of the upcoming weeks to address that more specific challenging issue that perhaps I wasn't able to assist them. Going back to the the client I pretended to Mm -hmm. be with Sam a moment ago. So he's now done an intake. He has written down all of this sort of the history and details of my difficulty so is he going, and let's assume he's talking to you next, mm-hmm. then the, the next step I think you've just described is to decide between the two of you probably what the kind of op- legal options are. Yep. So what, what would happen next if I'm the client? Um, you know, I guess it would depend on what stage in the eviction process the client presented in. Um, if the client just had some concerns, the landlord didn't like them, there had been no service of any sort with paperwork, then I would probably encourage Sam to find out what it was the landlord was upset about and see if we can encourage the client to address that. Maybe write a letter to, the, oftentimes we'll write a letter to the landlord on behalf of the client. We'll have the client sign it, of course, but, you know, we'll draft it and, you know, hopefully we can address it before it gets to the point of a formal eviction. If it has gotten to the point of a formal eviction and they have court coming up, then we do have some referrals available that we can refer clients to. Legal Aid has, you know, some great housing clinics, some of the other organizations in San Diego. So we're able to refer things that are a little bit um, too imminent. Um, You know, and then there's that middle ground, as I described before, of clients who could really use a consult with one of our volunteer attorneys. And if something is going on with a client situation, for instance, uh, an eviction case, but maybe um, the court date is is far enough away that we feel comfortable setting this client up with an appointment with one of our volunteer attorneys in the next couple of weeks, we'll do that. So let's let's assume that I have told Sam that I don't actually have a, a formal lease. I just moved in and I've been there for about nine months and I pay the first every month. I've paid on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the landlord said he just didn't like me to get out in a week or he's going to throw my stuff. So you would then refer me to legal aid? No, you know, probably in that situation, we wouldn't refer you to legal Because aid. I haven't gotten any legal documents. Right, right. So, I mean, if it's just sort of verbal threats, you know, we talk a little bit more to the client about the situation. What is it that the landlord is, doesn't like? Do they have pets? You know, do they have, um, are they making a lot of noise? Is there something specific that the landlord has expressed a dislike in? Or if they think the landlord is, um, you know, discriminating against them um, or being prejudicial in some way, we might try to write a letter to the landlord 
landlord or encourage the client to write a letter to the landlord trying to address that. I must say that that what you've described is is a pretty high-powered series of backup. An attorney panel of 20, uh, which is a good start, legal aid, SDVLP, and the other resources in, in San Diego. So you kind of are able to refer people to other legal resources. Do you have um, non-legal resources that you can refer people to? Um, well, the clinic itself is is our biggest non-legal resource. You mean the medical? The, uh, the medical clinic, the dental clinic, mm-hmm. the acupuncture clinic, um, and the social workers that um, are at both the church and our Lemon Grove site. Yeah, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Now, Linda, we've heard two, two, the, the Lemon Grove site, the original site, or the Lutheran church, and the Lemon Grove site. Uh, is uh, have you franchised this? Uh, <laughs> yes, our goal is to continue to franchise. In fact, um, no, our downtown site and model was so successful. We wanted to continue our collaboration with the medical clinic, and there was an opportunity that opened itself in Lemon Grove at Lemon Grove Elementary. So. In the past year now, um, we've set up an additional clinic at the Lemon Grove site, which well, that's, is growing. Uh, that is great. Is this common around the country, this arrangement with medical schools and <clears throat> law schools doing things together? There certainly are collaborations around the country. Um, I haven't seen any that follow this particular model, to tell you the truth. I've seen collaborations that deal with things such as patient advocacy inside a hospital or medical legal collaborations in which lawyers help hospitals um, have their medical bills paid, Um, but not so much through hands-on interdisciplinary services, the way this clinic is run. Linda, in addition to those two clinics, I know that there's the law school sponsors an additional, a third clinic. What is it like? Yes, we do have an additional community law project, which is uh, situated in City Heights, in the City Heights neighborhood. Um, and that's another volunteer clinic program, um, which where students can also volunteer. And their focus is more of a legal and social work collaborative within the City Heights community. And uh, our hat is off to Janet Weinstein for developing and running that clinic. Absolutely. Today on Law Review, our guests are Professor and Associate Dean Linda Morton, Dana Sisiski, the Executive Director of the California Western Community Law Project, and California Western student Sam Salem. So what's next for the the clinics? You spoke of it being an infrequent thing. Once, did you say Mondays? So our downtown clinic um, is every Monday evening we're open, and our Lemon Grove clinic um, is two Fridays a month. Is, is that enough to serve the population, that the clients who come in, do you think? Uh, no, I don't believe it is. But it, it would be difficult to expand that, I assume, because of... Given uh, our funding situation, it would be incredibly difficult. Well, that was exactly what I wanted to ask about was the funding. I know that there have been a variety of sources, private donations, grants, and so on. What does the funding look like? I should say first, by way of introduction, most clinical programs are viewed as very expensive because they're Mm -hmm. intensive, they involve a lot of legal talent, and they're just expensive. This is amazingly efficient, amazingly inexpensive for what goes on. So what does the funding look like? Well, we've been successful in getting a few private donations and one foundation grant. And on that basis, we've been able to continue the clinic, which was originally run through Anahita Cola on solely volunteer basis. At this point, we're able to offer a very small salary 
to our executive director. But to tell you the truth, we're not able to meet all the needs, and we are very understaffed. So if, if someone wanted to make a contribution to the clinic, how would they do it? They would do it by going on our website, cwclp.org. One more time slowly. (laughs) We have a website, cwclp.org, where they can certainly make a contribution. And that contribution, I would say, will go directly to the community law project, downtown Lemon Grove. And uh, they can certainly write us a personal check if they'd like to made out to California Western School of Law, who supports us with in-kind services, IT work, et cetera, and put the community law project downtown on the check as well. Great. Terrific. Thank you. Sam, let me ask you an unfair question because it's going to be, so what have you learned from your participation in this clinic? And the reason it's unfair is often in education, you don't know what you've learned until years later. But thinking through what you've you've done during your couple of semesters, what, what strikes you of, of, of what you've learned that will be used to you in practice? I think uh, probably the most important things I've learned are the are kind of fundamental uh, skills with interviewing and, and counseling clients, things that really are something that have to be developed with trial and error and practice, things you can't read or even be lectured about necessarily. You know, being able to focus the uh, client's story, trying to kind of get at the legal issues and trying not to waste their time or your time by discussing things that aren't necessarily relevant, um, being able to communicate and relay the legal issues with the uh, attorney um, and being able to then relay the legal uh, answer back to them and making that all clear and communicating effectively with the client are skills that definitely something I wasn't as effective at initially and I developed over time and I could see that. I also think that uh, that working with other students and other disciplines was important because uh, you got to kind of look at solving problems, like almost solving problems in, that, aren't, that aren't always just legal problems. Social working students or medical students, and sometimes the best way to solve the problem was a collaboration of a number of disciplines. So that was a really important thing to learn, um, especially when you have the client's best interest in mind as opposed to your own personal learning experience being the only issue. Those were very valuable skills. Being a law student, you've probably figured this out, can be a little stressful and, like, removed almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, since in, just in terms of personal or professional satisfaction, what, what has this uh, meant to you? Has it, it, it provided the kind of satisfaction you hope to see in your profession? Uh, yeah, I would say so. The pro bono element of it um, and the fact that these clients are coming in usually pretty distressed and confused and then being able to help them and, and you know, they can't afford most of the time to hire an attorney on their own. And so having that pro bono element and uh, being able to help the community, especially your local community, with skills that you are working on and that you've learned, you know, recently as a student is, is fulfilling uh, just just as an individual wanting to help the community as a volunteer. Great. Linda, Sam is mentioned pro bono three or four times in, in the last few minutes. You're sort of the leader of pro bono work at, at the law school, indeed one of the leaders in, in San Diego and California. This is, has primarily been a pro bono activity. Do students also receive related credit sometimes? They do receive credit for a one to two unit course uh, that they take for one of the three trimesters that the clinic operates. And this course for which they receive that one unit of credit 
gives them an opportunity to interact with Dana Sisitsky and really get into more detail and more learning, uh, both about pro bono work generally, but also about their specific cases. But, but their and their work with clients is pro bono. I mean, yes, the, the, the course you're talking about bono. is they're really learning uh, a depth of of from the experience that exactly. Sam was describing. Exactly. And one other thing I might mention that they're also learning this kind of clinic is particularly valuable for those students who aren't quite sure what area of law they're going to be most interested in. And students such as Sam then can, through this clinic, sample a variety of areas of practice. So can any student participate in the clinic, any California Western student? participate in this clinic? Yeah, I mean, all, all California Western students are eligible. There's an interview process. We conduct it every time. Uh, it's sort of a rolling interview process. Most of our students stick with the program for more than one trimester, which is nice. So we, you know, every trimester we have some returning students and some new students. It makes them transition a lot smoother. But yes, I'm always conducting interviews on a rolling basis. And at the beginning of this program, I, I spoke of this as the man bites dog. And it is, it is because of this. Number one, the image of lawyers and, and law students is not doing pro bono, is not doing good because people need help. And yet there are an awful lot of attorneys who do exactly that, an awful lot of uh, law students, uh, which Sam is an example, but there are many, many who do. And I, the public perception in that sense is just wrong so that there are many people doing good things this is a perfect example of that the other thing that continues to amaze me is the degree to which there has been a huge hugely collaborative uh effort but particularly between law and medicine but the other social work and Mm -hmm. dentistry and the other uh disciplines that you mentioned and and that has i think that has made a real difference in in the ability of our profession slowly to get working together uh, better. So my hat is off to all of you for the wonderful work that you're doing. I want to to close with any last comments that you have. And if you would give us, if somebody wants to contact you, maybe you could give us your email address. And if there's a question, someone could follow up by contacting you. So why don't we go, uh, go around, Dana? No, I mean, thank you so much, for Steve, for, for bringing this up and inviting us to participate. It's been an exciting experience. If anybody has further questions, they can always contact me at my email address. Again, my name is Dana Sasitsky, and my email address is dsasitsky. You better spell that for the Smiths in the crowd. I'm used to spelling it. <laughs> D as in Dana. S as in Sam, I, S as in Sam again, I, T as in Tom, S as in Sam, K, Y, at, C as in California, W, S, L, dot, E-D-U. C-W-S-L dot E-D-U. Exactly. Okay. Linda Morton? Yes, thanks again, Steve. California Western School of Law has taken the lead in these kinds of experiential programs, clinics and internships that we offer. Um, So I would encourage any of you out there who have an interest in law school or in simply learning more about these programs to contact me. Again, my name is Linda Morton. M-O-R-T-O-N, and my email address is lm at c-w-s-l dot e-d-u. I'd be happy to speak to anybody and give one a tour of the clinic as well mm-hmm. if they're interested. By the way, that is a great experience, so you should, people should take you up on that. Thank you. Sam? Uh, I just want to say that um, thank you for doing this, and as well, um, I think that law students should really look into volunteering in this type of program, if not this this program, 
And uh, I think it's important that these exist at law schools. I think it's a good, effective program for law students and can really teach things that they won't learn just reading cases and other things like that. So I think it's a very good, uh, important program. Thank you. And if, if some an applicant to law school wanted to ask you more about it, could they email you? Uh, yeah, I can give my email. It's um, sam, S-A-M dot M dot S-A-L-O-M at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Thanks to all of you. Dana, Linda, Sam, thank you. This was a, a fascinating program, and thanks for all of the great work uh, that, that you do. We appreciate you being on Law Review. Thanks also to our producers, Jin Hee Park, along with Katrina Julian, Megan Wright, and Sarah Kage. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or by visiting lawreview.podbean.com. We enjoy hearing from you, so in addition to emailing any of our guests, you can leave us a message at lawreview.podbean.com. Until next time, this is Steve Smith, and the Law Review stands adjourned.